So I have arrived at the Mahoning Drive-In and all the festivities are in full swing right now. They're waiting for the sun to dip so that the movie can begin. And I know this because when we do movies for the neighborhood, my neighbor has a projector screen and I have a projector and we sort of haphazardly do a makeshift sort of drive-in movie scenario. We have to wait for it to get dark. So that's what everybody's doing right now. Everybody's chit-chatting. Everybody's meeting Vernon Wells. I got to meet Vernon Wells. It was so exciting. Vernon Wells is a legend. Commando, inner space, weird science, the road warrior. What a body of work. He was just in this film, Red Snow, and I was actually talking to him about it. Faye, who helps organize the event along with her husband, Jim, introduced me. It was thrilling. And yes, I was kind of tongue-tied the same way that I felt when I met Jeffrey Combs at the Sleepy Hollow International Film Festival. You don't think of these people as just normal, regular people. They are the living embodiment of characters that you grow up watching on your TV from a young age all the way until an adult. For some reason, no matter what kind of profile that actor might have, they loom larger than even the largest high-profile actors out there. That's my opinion. I've talked about this before on the channel, but the Mad Max films for me are like my Star Wars. Mad Max is the reason why I wear a leather jacket, not because of the Ramones. And it was funny, when I first met Tank, Jim, we bonded over our mutual fandom of the Misfits. But little did I know that Jim was also a ginormous Mad Max fan. He has an incredible collection of Mad Max memorabilia, as you will see over this B-roll. Not only does Jim love to cosplay, but he is meticulous in his research as he puts together props and costumes. Uh, let's, well, we're on the underground, so let's bring it down a little bit on your side. This looks funny. A little bit more. That's, that's probably good enough. I think what happened. When movies started to come out on Blu-ray, that's when Jim really went to town because he was finally able to get high-definition screen grabs of everything. Jim is a journeyman. He's like, he's always on a quest. It's always about a quest. That's why he loved the Misfits so much, and that's why he loved collecting Misfits vinyl, which was really, really hard to acquire. That same sort of enthusiasm he also applied to Mad Max and his Mad Max collection. And, you know, what's great about these events is you just meet lots of like-minded people that are into something as much as you're into something. And while it's nice to go with people that maybe you know or meet someone who you might know at the event, it's also just as beneficial just to go by yourself. Go by yourself to things. You will never know who you will meet or who you will open yourself up to if you just roll somewhere solo. I have made lifelong friends by going to shows alone. I go to movies alone all the time. You can look at it as sort of like a a solitude thing, or you can look at it as a social thing, an extrovert thing. I don't need to go with other people because I know that wherever I'm going to go, I am just such a friendly guy. I'm going to meet people and I'm going to talk to people and say hello and blah, 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 blah. So the reason why I'm here is because Faye and Jim asked me to do the Q&As for tonight. Vernon Wells is going to be doing Q&As and I'm going to be asking him the questions. 
not going to lie, I'm a little nervous. I've never done anything like this on such a large scale. I do love to interview people. And hopefully, if everything goes according to plan, here is a recording of said Q&A. I'm Jack. Uh, long live the apocalypse. I'm the deadliest guy around here. So, uh, you know, that's just how it goes. And these are my dogs of war. Thank you, everybody, for joining us tonight for the first evening of It's a Mad, Mad, Mad Max 2, plus or minus one Mad. I'm not sure how many there were there. Uh, we'll get started in just a moment. But before that, we have a special word from the toe cutter. told me they'd be nice like this. <laughs> Nobody said he was this funny, too. <laughs> oh, what? Did they take my mouth? Oh, yeah, he's cut off. Cut off. <laughs> I don't want to. <laughs> That ugly shit with his. Oh, that's you. Oh. And thank you for coming and seeing Vernon Wells. Vernon, thank you for being here. 
Uh, my pleasure, I guess. Um, I'm here because I'm here because I had nothing else better to do. Rude. I was rude. Oh, I'm being rude. Oh, I'm sorry. I forgot. Yeah. No, I'm here because I love Jim Thorpe. Damn you. <laughs> this is going off the rails. Okay. So, I would just like to introduce, we all know Vernon Wells, I would like to introduce my good friend Jeff Rummis, who came here from New York to do the Q&A with us. And thank you to everybody who dropped a little question in the Good for you, dude. Box. Good for you. If you're coming tomorrow and uh, you weren't aware of that, we do have a little Q&A box uh, right next to Vernon's table next to Jim K. Dorsey's top-notch Mad Max collection. It's uh, top-notch indeed. Top notch. So with that, I'm going to stop talking and I'm going to give the microphone back to Vernon, which I'm going to regret. <laughs> Can you can you talk like that the whole time? Here, switch with me. You take this one. I'll take that one. I'll take the. I've had so many guys say that to me in bed. I'll switch with you. You take this one. Yeah, like the fuck, why not? Oh, listen to him. Oh, like I never thought of that. Come on. Um, hi, my name. What's your name again? I'm Jeff. Oh, hi, I'm Jeff. And this is Wait, I thought I was Jeff. Is this oh. who's on first? Who's on first? Uh, are you? No. Who's I'm on first? I'm usually sloppy seconds. <laughs> I told you this conversation will go to pure <laughs> out of control in 45 seconds. No, truly, I'm just, I'm happy to be here. This is amazing. Um, I have no idea where I am. But wherever you're, you're I am, you're in great. Mahoning, PA. Who? Mahoning, PA. Mah am I pronouncing that right? Mah yeah. Mahoning. Exactly. Exactly. Let me ask you something. How did you fall into acting? How did that happen? I fell into everything. I tripped. Um, dumb question. How did I fall into acting? Um, actually, I didn't fall into acting. I never wanted to be an actor, and I was very successful at it. Uh, I'm kidding. Um, no, I didn't want, truly, I didn't want to be an actor. It was the furthest thing from my mind. In fact, I hated it. I hated being in front of a camera. Um, I was more comfortable behind the camera doing directing and stuff, and that's what I really wanted to do. But I got asked to do a stage play that was written by a Canadian, Michelle Tremblay, which was about... Okay. Someone's now you've heard me. Um, no, Michelle Tremblay, who, and it was about uh, Montreal wanting to become a free French-speaking autonomous state inside of Canada, and the Canadian government said, "If you can't see that, that's what they said." Um, so he wrote a screenplay about, and it was called Hosanna. It was about a transvestite and a boyfriend and one night in their lives where they had this huge problem they had to fix and she played the uh, virtually all the people in Montreal that wanted to become autonomous and I played the, the French government saying stick it um, and I didn't want to do it because I was a boy from the bush you know I grew up wrestling cows chasing lambs riding horses plowing fields all that bullshit 
And the furthest thing from my mind was playing some guy shit. I mean, some gay shit. Um, and I refused, because I was just a dumb shit. So I wouldn't do it. And it went on and on and on. And eventually, um, I went home to my brother. Any of you that have a brother will know that when you have a problem, the one person you can rely on is your brother. It's very you true. Can tell him and he will give you the honest to God truth. I told my brother what the problem was and he looked at me and he said, stop being such a little gay shit and do it. <laughs> and I went, um, okay. So I did. I did this play. Now, how I got into acting, this is a long story, but we get there. How I got into acting was that the opening scene of Hosanna, I come on stage dressed in leathers, and the audience is three feet in front of the stage, maybe. And uh, in about ooh, a minute and a half, I am totally naked masturbating <laughs> to the front row. Typical. Um, Typical. George Miller's girlfriend, Sandy Gore happened to see me masturbating and um, ran George and said, you've got to come and see this guy. I'm not sure why, but you've got to come see him. And George Miller came down to see me and we actually went out and had a cup of coffee and talked dumb shit to each other for like an hour. I had no idea who he was, no idea why he was talking to me. And he went back to Sydney. And my um, agent rang me and said, so how did your coffee go with George Miller. I said, who's a George Miller? And I said, he's the guy that did, you know, um, the original Mad Max. And I went, oh. And she said, he's doing another one called Rugged Warrior. Well, actually, it was called Mad Max 2. And I said, oh. And she said, have you ever seen Mad Max? And I went, no. And she said, oh, shit. I said, look, it's playing at the drive-in. Go see it. So I go to the drive-in, and guess what? They're playing Mad Max and Duel, Steven Spielberg's first movie. And I'm like, oh, yeah. So the next morning, she rings me. She says, so did you see it? And I said, yeah. She said, what did you think? I said, Duel was unfucking believable <laughs> And she went, not quite the answer I was looking for, but don't say that to George. And I really didn't want to do Road Warrior because I was terrified of it. And the only reason I got it was for some reason George had set his mind on me doing it. And every time I said, I don't want to do this, he would just look at me and go, uh-huh. Turn around, let me see the costume. And I'd say, George, I don't want to do it. Uh-huh. I think we're going to have to cover your ass. <laughs> George, I seriously don't want to do it. Mm -hmm. You know, Maybe we should put some red or something in your hair. So in the finish, I just gave up and said, I'll do your epic movie for you. And that was how it all came about. I went and did um, Road Warrior. First thing I ever did in my life. I'd wow. done a couple of television things where I was like an extra riding horses or driving trucks or driving cars or doing some other shit, but never an actor to that degree. So I became, it was me. And it was funny because whenever I was asked if George was around, I would always say that George Miller created me, created my career. And he would say, actually, I gave him 21 lines and he created a friggin' movie. Um, it was, I don't know, people ask me, and I, I seriously have no clue. I did 
what came naturally to me as a human being in that situation and it seemed to be what it was supposed to be. And for the last few years and 367 movies later, still what I do. Wow. I just enjoy myself. And, um, you know, Mad Max is why I'm here. Mad Max is one of the favorite movies. Before you ask me, Mad Max is one of my favorite movies, all right? Um, what was it like working with George? And what particularly, did George give you any kind of like homework about your character? Like, how did you, you know, backstory-wise, in terms of, in terms of, uh... No. <laughs> Moving on. I'm just kidding. Um, actually, what George made us do for a week was we had to write a story of, from birth to when the film started. And every morning we would have to go in and also... The only one didn't have to do it was Mel, because he'd already done one movie, so his character was pretty much the way it should be. But we would go in and we would read this story to George Miller, Terry Hayes, and Brian Hanna. They were the three writers of Road Warrior. And they would sit there and they'd go, that's a lot of crap, throw that out. <laughs> oh yeah, that looks good, that's bullshit, throw that out. I like, and you would go, <laughs> and they'd go, now rewrite it. So every night for a week, we oh, would no. rewrite, go in, crap, throw it out. And it just went on until the end of the week we had a solid basis of who the character was, where he came from, why he was there. And I always remember, I said to George one day on the set, I was getting confused with something I was doing, and I said, George, I'm lost. And he said, again, yes, I'm always lost, um, but I, I don't know what to do. And he said, All right, let me ask you a question. I said, okay. He said, you live in a suburban house. At the end of that street where you live is this huge, big, um, like, grocery store, one of these monster ones with all kinds of shit in it. And I go, uh-huh. And he says, there's an apocalyptic event. Now, it doesn't have to be a war. It could be a sunspot. It could be anything. But what happens is everything as we know it stops. What are you going to do? I went, uh, I'd probably go down to the the shop and get as much food as I could because I would need it to survive. He said, uh-huh, and would you take some of your friends? I said, oh yeah, I'd take some of my neighbors down and we could get it. He said, okay, so you're down there getting all this food and you look out the window and all these people from three streets over are coming towards you. What are you gonna do? I said, shoot their asses. <laughs> and he went, yeah, good, Wes. That was all he said to me, and that was what the character was based on, exactly that conversation. Because it was just who Wes was. And um, that's how I went and did it. No what more, no less. What about the name Wes? What is Wes? <sighs> Wesley. Oh, Ignatius. That right. That makes a lot of Xavier. sense. Or dickhead was um was there a lot of like was the idea the energy of punk rock was that did you feel a lot of that on the set no was that ever talked about no nope what i felt a lot of energy of was freezing cold on my ass um mel gibson had a nickname yeah mel gibson had a nickname what was that nickname what's that nickname barometer bum wow wow every time my ass got purple mel would go i think we should get him warm and I'd put it in a 
so I could get warm hugs for Roma the bummer. It was freezing. People say, yeah, but the sky was blue. Don't give a shit, it was freezing. We're in a valley between two mountains that happened to have snow on them. It were cold. But yeah, that was me. Wow. Um, what about the what about like the shooting mechanics of the Road Warrior? There's a lot of it seems like some stuff gets sped up. What was it like, you know, when you're shooting the end, the the you know the chase the race. scenes? Yeah, the race. Yeah, the chase. Um, the one thing about George is he's incredibly careful. He doesn't want anybody to get hurt, and he's also a brilliant manipulator of of um, what he does. So when you're watching it, he does things to it that you wouldn't expect. And one of his things was he used to always say that movies are basically a roller coaster. You go very slowly up to the top of the hill in a roller coaster, then you roar down the other side, and at the bottom there's a brick wall. Now, the roller coaster turns to the right, but your brain goes slamming into the brick wall. And I have had discussions with people who will tell me, no, 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 no. Those people got killed, and I'll go, no, they didn't. Yes, they did. No, they didn't. I saw it. I'll go, uh-huh. Did you do the movie as well? What the fuck? Because he's so good at manipulating what we look at and what we hear, the sound effects, the movie, everything. And he would sit for hours with a scene, take out, excuse me, one frame at a time, or add one frame, to get exactly what he wanted, the speed, or the way it would move, or the way it would jump, what would happen. And he was just amazing at it. And I mean, to me, Mad Max is one of the greatest edited films that has been for a long, long time. Here, here. The way he did it. And actually, down in uh, California at um, the university, in their um, classes on film, the sound and the editing of that film to do today are what they teach kids is how to do it correctly. And I mean that, like 40 odd years later, that tells you how good it was. Now, I learned this today, I did not know this. Uh -oh. There was an original ending for your character. And you know what's interesting about Wes? Wes has pathos. What? In, Wes has pathos, as opposed to every other, you know, sort of evil henchman type of guy. They're usually just, oh, that's just the side henchman. But Wes, has pathos. He loses um, his 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 constituent, Composed and him. and you know, uh, friggin' wants revenge, totally. and you know, goes after Max. But there's a different ending. There was a different ending before yeah, the originally. Yeah, there was a different beginning and a different ending originally. And there is a book out called Mad Max, and it's the um, Road Warrior. It's the actual uh, original script which was a little different. In the original ending, uh, Humongous is killed way, way earlier. And I don't go over the front of the, the truck. Um, I end up on the Humongous vehicle, and I've got the, um, the feral kid upside down, strapped to the front of it to use as a battery lamp. And I'm chasing Mel, and we get into this sort of thing, and, and the Trident, he throws at me and I drive off down the road. And I get way down the road and I spin a 360 and I'm facing him. And the motor's running on the truck. 
And as they come in with the camera, you notice that there's a pride sticking through my forehead. And that's virtually where the film ended. And um, George didn't like it because it, it had, he thought for my end it was not, you know, the character had built up to this stage that there had to be a dramatic end. There had to be, he had to go out in a blaze of glory. Like, you know, 17 people with shotguns all blowing me to pieces or something. Um, he had to find, and that's what they did with me coming, uh, going over the front of the, the truck and then coming back up. And it's funny perfect. story about that, the little little gunshot. Um, him and I got started to become friends, and, and uh, George said to me, Vernon, do not become friends with him. <coughs> and I had a problem with that because and we became friends. We do that scene, and I come up over the front of the truck, <laughs> and he laughs at me. Peekaboo! <laughs> and George just looked at me and went, this is on you. And I went, oh, shit. <clears throat> so what they did was they put a sponge in my hand full of blood. And the next time we did the scene, when I came up and he came down with his hand, I went, Whap! on his hand and his blood went everywhere and the, the look on his face and the scream and the terror the whole thing was him like having a mental fit he thought his hand had been ripped off kinder trauma yeah and i just sort of looked at him and thought you poor little shit it's, like, it's cruel what they do but it worked and uh i see him now and i remind him of it and he just looks at me like one day motherfucker one day um but uh he's he's a he's a very famous uh, jewelry designer now. So, you know, what the hell? I'm just an actor, good damn it. Um, and the start of it was a little different. The start of it was, wasn't where we start chasing Mel. The start of it was the, everybody going up the hill towards the uh, farmhouse. And uh, they're, they're savaging the farmhouse, they're ripping things out of it, they're killing people. And I drive up after them, and this little kid with long blonde hair comes running out of the farmhouse, and one of the marauders grabs him by the hair and goes to cut his throat. And I stop him, and I pick him up, I put him on the back of my bike. And that was how the blonde youth came to be in the movie. Well, that didn't happen, so what we had was the start of the film, and this blonde kid behind me, and everybody going, uh-huh. So that's what they do in the... Uh, out back when there's no women around. Pathos. And George said to me one day, because I sort of said to him, I said, you know how gay this is? And he went, you're asexual. I went, what, I fuck dogs? I mean, what, what, what are we getting at here, George? And he said, no, you're asexual. It's like, there's no male, no females. And I was like, oh, God, now I'm in so much trouble. Somebody is going to come. And of course, Siskel and Ebert had to come up with it. This gay Australian, why are they putting him in movies? So, yeah, I did another movie and I thought I was gay in that too, but we won't go into that. Um, you were in Weird Science and you kind of reprised the role of Wes a little bit. Could you explain the similarities between those two characters? Do it. Do it. <laughs> um, yeah, I got asked to do. I got asked to do that by Joel Silver, the producer, and I told my manager to tell him to go suck eggs, basically. 
uh, which she did. Oh. And he rang back a week later with a bigger offer, and she rang me, and I said, he's retaliating. He said, I'm retaliating again. This went on for like three weeks, three or four weeks, and I just refused to do this film. I didn't give a shit about it. I haven't read it, I hadn't looked at it, I hadn't didn't want to do it. And finally he rang her and she said, is he gonna do it? She said, I'm sorry, he's done. He said, well, we don't want him anyway, so he just hung up the phone. And about a month later he rang back with a big offer and she said to me, you're getting on an airplane, you're going to America to do it. And I went, why? She said, because it's a lot of money and I'll break both your legs if you don't. So I decided I should go to America and do the film. And I wanted to work with John Hughes. Makes sense. Yeah, and I was so glad I did because he died not long after I did that film, like a year later or two years later. Um, and it was, and if you look at that, if you've seen that film, there's so many major stars came out of that film. Robert Downey Jr., for instance, was just a, a co-star of it. Not even that, he was just an actor in it. And there were just so many people that came out of that that went on to be bigger and bigger stars. <coughs> and uh, the whole crew, the whole cast, except for Robert, we get together occasionally at conventions. And I was with them a month and a half ago, and we're just talking like this at a question and answer, and they're all laughing. And I said, "What's well, funny?" And they went, "For three weeks, Joel Silver would walk into the because they were shooting at the time." would walk in <coughs> into, into the thing where we were shooting and, and rant and rave about this effing Australian. Who the hell did he think he was? He'd done one effing movie and what gave him the right to be continuously because I would keep saying no to him and apparently he couldn't handle being told no. And uh, they just laughed. They thought it was the funniest thing and then I turned up. So they went, oh, he's the one. There you go. But... Um, I enjoyed it. Not so much that I was reprising, reprising the role. I didn't really want to play Wes again, so they did a lot of things to me so that I didn't really look like Wes. <laughs> yeah. Really worked. Nobody knew I was Wes. We have, uh, we have three questions. People wrote in questions, and I have them right here. I'm going to ask them in succession. I have three answers. Okay, good. Who gives a shit? Good. No? No, no, that's not the answer. That's not the proper answer. Oh, God. Okay, I'm going to, this is kind of like a game show. We're going to turn this into a game show. Okay. But I'm going to ask you three questions all at the okay. same time, because we don't have less than 10 minutes, so. Okay. Okay, ready? Right. This is the first one. Yes. You've had a fantastic career. Yes. With some incredible movies. Yes. But if you could erase one thing from your filmography, what would it be? And you have five seconds to answer. Go! Me. <laughs> All right, that was one question. That was an answer. That was an answer. Okay, second question. We're in the sudden death round. What do you think of the newest Mad Max movie with Charlize Theron? So what's the next question? Ooh. Ah, ooh. Ah, just gonna push that off the oh, table. Oh, come on. Ugh. Oh, oh, ah, twisted my arm here, okay. Okay, last question. This is for all the marbles. This is for all the guzzoline, okay? What, what's your favorite movie you were in? Wait, this is about from Evan Phoenix. Hi, Evan. Hi, Evan. Hi. Hi, Evan. Hi. Hi. Hi, Evan. Huh? That's the final. Oh. 
What's your favorite movie that you were in? My favorite movie that I've been in, if I want to be honest, everyone that's paid me. Um, <laughs> truly, um, I get a big kick out of doing little films, um, more so than doing these $100 million blockbusters. I enjoy, don't get me wrong, I enjoy them, I get paid a lot of money. But the little films are much more, it's like a family, you know, you get to do things that you can't do on a big film. So I think little films, there's been a few of those I've done that I love, and he's wrapping me up and I'm going, fuck you. Um, and uh, I just love the little films, and I've done a couple that are coming out actually at the moment, one called Fear of the Woods, you can find it online, another one's called um, Kill Giggles. And, uh, Wait, you're in Kill Giggles? Yeah. Wait, Jason directed that movie. So what do you want, the middle? No, it's just, all, that, I know that guy, he's great. He's a great guy. Did you have fun in that movie? Did you play a clown? Well, I haven't seen it yet. I don't know anything about it. Sorry, continue. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm listening. What? Oh, oh, you finished? Yes. No, I'm sorry. I had a relation to some other asshole. Um, this is my time. I'm you. Uh, yeah, so little films, I really do get a kick out of them. I've got a few coming out, which somebody said to me the other day, you've got 32 coming out, all right? I don't know. I don't keep going on my friggin' page to find out how many movies I've got coming out. But I've got quite a few. Um, and, you know, if you want to see what I do, uh, go have a look, because they're all diversified. I get a lot more roles of playing the good guy than I do the bad guy now. And it's, I love it. It's really exciting and nice, and I get to direct because that's what I—that's my passion of directing. So I get to play God. Like, hey, asshole! When I say on that friggin' line, I mean on the line. Nobody takes any notice of me. They all look at me, and go, uh huh. It always comes back. That's what I'm like. Damn it! Why do I have to be such a ass? But no, um, I just love what I do. Um, everything that I've had, I am so grateful for. Do not get me wrong. I, I just, it blows my mind that I'm who I am and what I've done. A little kid from the bush that gets to this. I, yeah, I just, I just, I love it. I thank everybody. Um, I'm a Buddhist, and what I say when I finish any talk, and I've been told to shut the fuck up and get off, um, is that. May every blessing that you want, that you wish for, and that you have, be what you want and wish for. May your life be filled with pleasure. May you always be kind and generous, and may everybody be kind and generous to you. And may you think of one thing. I am so lucky that every morning I wake up and I'm here with someone I love. God bless you all. Mm. Thank you. Big round of applause for Bernie Wells. Excellent. What? You did great. Oh, it was good. We'll be back tomorrow night for another game show. I hope we have more questions. Okay? For tomorrow night, write in your questions, everybody. Can everybody write questions and start with what was your first film? Sorry, Evan. Poor Evan. Thank you, guys. I'll like. Thank you. I'll probably stay for the opening and for the glory that I'll get to. No, come on. No, I'm, I'm joking. I love it. It's my favorite movie. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 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 Evan!
Thank you. Thank you. Is that a promise? <laughs>